So here's today's transformational truth. Shallow soil is always revealed by heat. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. So here's today's transformational truth. Shallow soil is always revealed by heat. Okay, so today we're going to talk about emotional health. Specifically, I want to talk about the health of your heart. Uh, because the mission of this podcast is to equip you to start well, stay well, and finish well by restoring the joy to life and leadership. Listen, I'm just, nobody's going to convince me that God designed leadership to be this joy-draining, peace-stealing journey. I just don't believe that. And I think there are principles in the scripture that if we learn how to apply them to our emotional health, our spiritual health, our relational health, and our mindset, we can not only protect our joy, we can restore joy and peace that maybe has been lost along the way. So today specifically, uh, let's talk about the heart because the Bible exhorts us above all things, what does it tell us to do? Guard your heart. And Jesus addresses the health of our hearts in Matthew chapter 13, although we don't often or always read it in that context, but that's actually exactly what Jesus is tackling. It's commonly referred to as the parable of the sower. Okay, so we spent a lot of time focusing on the seed. I I mean, listen, um, I put my faith in Jesus when I was 18 years old, and ever since then, I've, I've probably heard dozens of sermons on the seed. Okay, dozens of sermons on the seed. But The seed in this parable is not Jesus' focus. The focus is the soil. Because listen, the seed is always good. The seed is truth. The seed is the truth of God's word. The question is never, is the seed good? The question is, what is the condition of the soil? Right? And Jesus even says, um, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 7, And some fell on among thorns, and the thorns uh, sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So Jesus is explaining that the health of the soil in the heart, around the heart, will determine the harvest we receive from the seed that we sow. So I ask the question again, leader, what is the condition of the soul of your heart? Uh, because in verse 18, Jesus, what one of the things that makes us parable so unique is Jesus clearly defines the exact meaning of every nuance of this parable. And Jesus said in verse 18, he said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, okay, so Jesus tells us what the seed is. It's the word of the kingdom. It's the word of God and does not understand it. He said, the wicked one comes away and snatches away. Here it is. What was sown in his or her heart. The soil is the heart. So Jesus this whole time is talking about the condition of the heart. And we tend to get so focused on the seed. And that, and, and there's value in that. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus is focusing on the health of the heart and the condition of the heart. Uh, and one of the types of soil that Jesus deals with in this parable is the shallow soil. Okay. Uh, shallow soil in the heart will always produce a lot of pain. To be honest, 
It can be the most difficult soil to discern in the heart because according to Jesus, this soil produces what appears to create a quick harvest. So this fast turnaround, I mean, seed is sown within a few days, there's visible growth. Uh, the harvest seems to happen at an accelerated pace. Now in our culture, this feels great. We love success to happen and we want it to happen fast and we want it to happen overnight and we want it to happen quickly. So the soil is really hard to discern because it appeals to the unrenewed parts of our mind that celebrates everything happening quickly. The reality is in the kingdom of God, uh, with the exception of a miracle, things don't happen quickly. Whenever God accomplishes something good in our lives, he uses seasons. Okay, just like a farmer understands that when he sows a seed, there is seed time and there is harvest time. There's different seasons. This is how it works in the kingdom of God. Uh, but this type of soil, the shallow soil, produces a ton of excitement, right? There's so much fruit being born and it's happening so quickly. And I mean, this is the stuff that really moving testimonies <laughs> are, are, are made out of, okay? Uh, it appeals to our sense of accomplishment and it has this tendency to arouse our emotions because quick results must be an effective strategy. Or at the very least, it seems to indicate fertile soil, all right? But according to Jesus, the reason the soil produces such a quick return on investment is not because it's healthy, it's because it's shallow. Wow, think about that for just a second. Shallow soil does not produce fast growth. It produces the appearance of fast growth. Okay, quick growth is often deceiving growth because maturity simply doesn't happen quickly. All right, I've got, um, I've got, I've been blessed with six children. Um, I've got a 29-year-old all the way down to an eight-month-old. Yeah, quite a range. Listen, and here's one thing I can tell you. You can't make a four-year-old turn 14 overnight, nor would you want to. It takes what it takes. It takes the time that it takes. And when it comes to maturity, when it comes to uh, growing and maturing in our identity in Christ, you really can't accelerate it. it, it you, you, you can slow it down. Listen, I've discovered this. We can actually slow it down spiritually, but you can't typically speed it up. When you plant a seed, it just takes this natural course of time set by God. And I think that's good news for you. Because that gives you permission to be patient with your own process and stop comparing yourself to somebody else. You're on two different timetables. You're on two different journeys completely. And oftentimes the temptation is to compare ourselves with someone who is on a much different journey. And maybe they've been on this journey a little bit longer uh, and you don't know their whole story. So what you begin to do is say, well, man, how come, I, how come I'm not bearing as much fruit as they are as quickly as they are? Horrible temptation. Resist the temptation to compare. It's always a trap. Uh, the goal is not quick growth, okay? Because quick often reveals shallow. The goal is steady growth over time. Leader, let me say that again. The goal with your, your uh, development, the goal with your spiritual maturity, uh, the goal even in your relationships is not quick. The goal is steady growth over time. Because shallow soil doesn't produce fast growth. It produces the appearance of fast, fast growth. So how can I tell if the growth that I see is healthy growth or just shallow soil? All right, here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. He said, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. Okay, in other words, it, it's shallow. And there's stuff underneath that's keeping it shallow. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth. <laughs> wow. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. All right. 
<clears throat> Jesus said, you can tell if it's healthy growth or shallow soil based on the way the harvest handles the heat. The heat of adversity, the heat of waiting, the heat of circumstances, um, the heat of the appearance of the lack of provision, uh, the heat of conflict will always reveal the health of our soil, the health of the heart. Okay, Jesus says it's very possible to appear fruitful, Matthew chapter 13, but still have shallow soil in the heart. And that's what makes this soil so doggone confusing. Because on one hand, there's what seems to be fast fruit. But an hour later, everything feels so stinking shallow. It's so conflicting. Let me give you an example. On one hand, that person seems so loving. But then a minute later, they're so easily offended. <laughs> on one hand, they're so polite. But five minutes later, they're so petty. On one hand, they seem really committed. On the other hand, they seem so committed to gossip. Like, what the heck is going on? Why? Because shallow soil is always revealed by heat. And the heat doesn't come to embarrass us. This is very important. Sometimes God allows the heat not to embarrass us, but to reveal and to heal. Okay. According to Jesus, this shallow soil is evidence that there's rocks beneath the soil that we need to dig up. There's, there's, these stony, there's a stony bed of rocks just beneath the soil. That's what's keeping everything so shallow. And so we have to remove all of that stuff just beneath the surface so that we can have healthy soil, deeper soil, where we can put down real deep roots. Okay. Because these, this shallow soil issue in our hearts will keep us stuck in these frustrating cycles uh, of what feels like one step forward and two steps back. Okay, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in your marriage? One step forward, two steps back. You know, you, you read a book on marriage, you try to apply a couple of principles, but it just wouldn't keep, it wouldn't stay. And you just get frustrated. And then you feel condemnation and you feel shame because you, you keep feeling like a failure. Listen, the problem is not the seed. The problem is, is there's this, there is this la layer of rocks and stones beneath the soil of the heart. And it doesn't matter how much seed is sown there, the roots are always going to be really shallow. All right. And nobody wants yellow soil. Nobody. And yet we all have to deal with it. I don't care how long you've been living, how long you've been leading. You can't put your heart on cruise control. The health of your heart takes intentionality. We've got to pay attention to it. And sometimes there's just areas in the soil of our heart that if unattended can get this way. And we don't even realize it. None of us want to deal with the frustration of shallow soil. Nobody does. Okay. Nobody wants to deal with the temporary nature of the good fruit that we want to see in our lives. No, we want it to stay. We want it to stick. And shallow soil will constantly, chronically make you feel like a failure. That's probably one of the most frustrating and damaging attributes of this soil. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, why does it seem like I finally made progress and now I'm back to the same old shallow stuff? All right. So I want to talk to you today about the, that layer of stones, those rocks beneath the soil that tend to keep our, the soil of our heart shallow. All right, let's go ahead and jump into it. You ready? Number one. You ready? All right. Good old-fashioned selfishness. <laughs> Listen, selfishness under the soil of our heart will always produce shallow soil. A heart that is always looking to be served rather than looking for opportunities to serve others will always be shallow. When stones of selfishness uh, lie sort of beneath the soil of our hearts, the gospel seeds of truth will rarely, if ever, grow really deep roots in our lives. And, and so here's what happens. When we don't get our way, when all of our expectations aren't met, or when something or somebody puts our ego in check, 
The heat of that frustration will reveal the lack of roots or the shallowness of our roots. And guess what? It just withers away. Uh, can I tell somebody something? Here's what I've learned personally when it comes to selfishness, the, the, those little stones of selfishness in my own heart. It is easy to look patient when everything's happening as quickly as we want it to. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it is easy to appear servant-hearted as long as everyone agrees with our plan and our agenda. Um, I've discovered it's really easy to appear loving as long as everyone caters to our preferences. But the heat of unmet expectations will quickly reveal shallow soil. Okay. The character of Christ was to look for opportunities to serve everyone around him in one way or another. And listen, as a son or daughter in the kingdom of God, serving flows from our new identity in Christ. This is simply who we are. When we embrace that old self-centered mindset and we elevate ourselves above others, we are ensuring, we are guaranteeing that the soil of our hearts will always be shallow and any harvest we get to experience will always be extremely temporary. And, and listen, in Christ, you're not selfish. You're selfless. Okay, let me say that again. In Christ, you're not selfish. You're selfless. Yeah, but you don't know me. I do tend to act a little selfish, Travis. You, I know I hear you saying that, but what you don't understand is I wrestle with selfishness. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Me too sometimes, but, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you put your faith in Jesus, you've got a new identity. That new identity includes selflessness. That's who you are. And that's why you hear me say all the time, you are not what you do. You're what Christ has done for you. The focus is on your identity, not your activity. Because when we get our identity right, then the activity follows. When we understand who we are in Christ, guess what we start to do? Behave like Christ because Christ is living his life through us. All right, Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is who you are. Hey, son, daughter in the kingdom, listen to me. This is who you are. You're a son who serves, not a servant trying to earn sonship. Serving others selflessly is just who you are. And as long as those, those pesky stones of selfishness are living beneath the surface of the, the heart soil, we'll always have to settle for the appearance of deep roots rather than actually having deep roots. Okay. The second kind of stone that sort of lies beneath the soil of our hearts that likes to keep it shallow, oh man, this one is very covert, but it loves to hang out beneath the soil of our hearts. Already, Jealousy. Yep. Jealousy. Jealousy is a part of the resentment family. Um, and honestly, it's oftentimes what drives comparison. We don't usually want to talk about this one because we don't even realize it's there until it's there. And when it's there, it feels a little embarrassing because we feel like, oh, I should be beyond this. I should know better. But the fact of the matter is we're all human beings whose minds are being renewed constantly with the truth of God's word and who we are in Christ. So we have to understand jealousy is a reality we've all got to face. And it is a part of the resentment family. Let me say that again. Jealousy is a part of the resentment family. Uh, it convinces us that someone else's blessings or life situation possesses a threat to our own sense of worth. Okay, And jealousy, I like to say it like this, jealousy is simply resenting others for what you don't have yet, causing you to take for granted what you do have now. Oh, goodness. Isn't that the truth? And, and I mean, jealousy is com comprised of this kind of cocktail of ingredients uh, when you look at emotional health. Uh, if jealousy was a recipe, you would probably start with some insecurity. Uh, you throw in some greed, you know, maybe a little dash of fear that you're not good enough. Uh, top it off with a, with, with a little bit of anger, a pinch of anger, and now you've got jealousy. All right. 
And jealous soil will always be shallow soil because you can never truly celebrate others. Not really. Okay. You, you might even be able to go through the action of celebrating somebody, but inside it is killing you. That's, that's how you know there are these little stones beneath the soil of our heart, right? That's inhibiting the soil from being deep soil and roots from going deeper. Uh, can I tell you why jealousy is a lie from the enemy? Because the Bible says the exact opposite of everything jealousy tells you. Okay. Jealousy tells you you're not enough. It tells you you'll never have enough. It, it tells you you'll never be enough. All right. And because of that, it convinces you that someone else's success is now evidence of your failure. But you ready for this? The Bible says in 2 Peter 1.3, as his divine power has given to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. The lie of jealousy is that you lack anything. Did you hear the verse I just read to you? You lack nothing pertaining to life and godliness. Nothing. He has given you all things. In Christ, you lack nothing. And maybe you don't see the promises of God manifesting in your life yet. Just because the promises of God haven't shown up yet doesn't mean that they're not on their way. And it does not mean that God has forgotten about it. Remember, in the kingdom of God, things take time. They don't happen quickly. And typically what I've discovered is that while I'm waiting on the promises of God, God is doing something eternal and valuable inside of Travis. Okay, while you're waiting, waiting time is never wasted time. God is always doing something in you to prepare you for what he has for you. You lack nothing in Christ. Everything you need for a good marriage is in Christ. And by the way, Christ is in you. Everything uh, you need to fulfill your God-given purpose. Guess what? It's in Christ. Everything you need to accomplish the dream that God placed in your heart, you ready for this? It is in Christ. You're not waiting for the provision. You're waiting for the timing. It's that simple. Oh my goodness. Let me say that again. You're not waiting for the provision. You're waiting for the season. Yeah. You think you're waiting for the relationship and you think you're waiting for the money and you think you're waiting for the door to open and you think you're waiting for the, the whatever, fill in the blank. You're not. Everything you need is in Christ. He's in you. The treasure that you pray about lives in you right now. Isn't that crazy? It's in the realm of faith, right? Um, it's, it's, it's in that realm of the supernatural that you as a person of faith have access to. It's not far at all. What you're waiting for is the season and you cannot accelerate that. It is what it is. It's marked on God's calendar. So can I give you a piece of advice? Take a deep breath. Be thankful for the season that you're in. Enjoy the season that you're in the best you can. Let God do whatever he's doing in this season. But don't waste this season of God doing something in you and wish it away as you're waiting for the thing that God promised to do around you and for you. All right, let's keep this going. The third kind of rock or, or stone that's just beneath the soil of our hearts that keeps it shallow. Uh, yeah, this is a big one. It's called pride. All right, pride. Symptoms of pride. Here they are. Uh, unteachable. Arrogant. Highly offendable. Uh, adopts a victim's mentality, assigns blame rather than owning mistakes. These are all symptoms of pride. Uh, here's another Self-promotion replaces servanthood, right? I'm sure there's more. In, in the Bible, for the record, and I'll probably do a podcast on this, but in the Bible, there's actually six different manifestations of pride. And just like the other two that we've talked about, Okay, we can't just put life on cruise control and be like, hey, guess what, everybody? Pride, oh, I'll tell you what, I've got pride beat. Pride can, can never knock on my door. 
uh, it, I'm sorry, as long as we're human beings on this side of heaven, um, we have to understand that pride, the spirit of pride does not take a day off. It's always going to look for uh, uh, an open window or an open door, a way to get into our lives. All right. And here's the deal. The longer pride lingers, the more it grows. Okay. And the longer pride goes without being addressed, the more painful it becomes to remove it. Absolutely true. Yes, I'm, I'm speaking both <laughs> from a, a leadership perspective and from a pride, uh, a owner of pride perspective. Uh, I've been on both sides of this coin. I've been the leader and the pastor trying to help people through it. And I've been the guy being pastored um, who was being corrected and uh, somebody held, had to help me work through my own pride. Uh, and pride can be a difficult thing to detect in self. All right. There's an old saying it goes like this. Pride in others can be plain to see, but in the mirror, not so easily. It is the only disease known to man where everyone else knows it's there except for the one who has it, okay? It keeps the soil shallow by convincing us that we're always right. Everyone else is always wrong. Uh, and when pride lives in the soil of our hearts, we subconsciously put our life in park. Absolutely true. We stop moving forward toward destiny because we think we've got nothing left to learn, and it keeps our soul really shallow, and we shut ourselves off from teaching. We shut ourselves off from uh, correction. Um, and in fact, correction is a bad word if, if you're wrestling with pride in the heart. And ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to pride, can I tell you, there is no pride as dangerous as spiritual pride. Absolutely true. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus addresses some religious folks in the crowd. And verse 9 says, some who were confident of their own righteousness looked down on everyone else. Wow. We can become prideful about our own arrogant attempts to earn righteousness rather than humbly receive righteousness as an act of God's grace. All right, that's what religious pride looks like. We can become prideful about believing we're somehow less quote-unquote sinful than others and therefore more deserving of God's favor than they are. We can become prideful about our spiritual gifts or our titles, thinking that they make us superior to other people. And perhaps the most dangerous thing about spiritual pride is its ability to prevent us from receiving the true gospel of God's grace. And religious pride will always produce exhaustion. That's how you know you're dealing with it. Okay, it sets us on this treadmill of religious performance until we're exhausted from trying to prove our worth. And it's in that weak state of this spiritual, this physical and emotional exhaustion, that is when temptation comes. It's when we're the most tired and the most vulnerable and we feel like, the, like total failures because we keep blowing it. And we keep trying to do in our strength what Jesus invites us to, to accomplish in his strength. And we keep trying to earn what Jesus invites us to receive by faith. And this is why the enemy loves spiritual pride. It is the road to pain. It is the road to loss. And it is the road to burnout, leader. Listen, it's the tool he uses to get us into a vulnerable state, making us more susceptible to moral failures. You lose who you are. You forget who you are. You're tired. And that's a bad place to be for a leader. But I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul describes Jesus, okay? This is Philippians 2.7. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Listen, in a, in a world that rewards being full of yourself, Jesus emptied himself of himself. And this is who you are in Christ. Humility is your new nature. That is good news. You're not trying to stuff something outside of you, inside of you, okay? What you're trying to do is pull out of you what is already there. You have the nature of Christ. Humility lives within you. Um, in fact, uh, while you might have stones of selfishness, jealousy, and pride creeping around the soul of your heart, that doesn't mean you are those things. 
Because as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You might be wrestling with some selfishness, but guess what? In Christ, you are selfless. You might be wrestling with pride, but in Christ, you are humble. Listen, renew your mind, leader with who you are in Christ. Exercise your new identity in Christ. Because you are not what you do, or you're not what you have done. You are what Christ has done for you. I want to recap today's transformational truth. Shallow soil is always revealed by heat. Listen, if transformational truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go over to Apple iTunes, rate the show, write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Until next time. Thank you.